What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, yes, you, the listener, through the podcast Patreon page that you can find by clicking the link in this episode's description. However, if supporting the podcast financially is not a possibility, that's totally fine too, especially if you are an Apple Podcast or iTunes listener, because you can leave the show a rating and a review. It's important with the way iTunes works, helps other people find the show, and helps the show continue to grow. So please leave a rating and review. Um, there's another option by Stitcher, which also allows you to do that. And uh, don't forget, there are other ways of listening to the show if you're not an Apple podcast or iTunes listener by heading on over to Google Play. Uh, like I said, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast will be there. And lastly, I highly encourage you to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com to read me at Medium uh, and to follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Hopefully you're still with me because this is the end of me rambling. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Yovan Boo of ESPN.com is here, and Ty Lu of the Cleveland Cavaliers. It will not be here for the foreseeable future. Yovan, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing better than Ty Lu, and I, <laughs> I'm. I don't even want to joke about it because we really don't know what's going on. Yeah. And it sounds really sad but it's just one of those things where it's like everything that could possibly be going wrong for the Cavs this year in LeBron's last year is coming to fruition it's like they're they put out one fire by acquiring Nance and Clarks and everything it looks great they blow out the Celtics and all that stuff and then another fire ruptures and like who's the interim is it gonna be Larry Drew yeah I haven't seen yeah it's it's gonna be Larry Drew um, I was hoping for James Posey, but I guess uh, he's not ready to take over. Uh, or maybe he's just comfortable being behind the bench. Like, I love always seeing him just crowded away in the corner. It's uh, it's pretty great. Um, I don't know. There's not really much to say with the Cavs stuff because it's just another unfortunate situation. But just seeing certain Cavs writers and analysts talk about it where it's like they've been... I, I think even LeBron was just like he's noticed that it's just been a long time coming and all that kind of stuff. It just... It kind of sucks. Like coaching this team, it doesn't seem fun. I think David Blatt was felt the same way, and I just, I don't know. Is this? It, could it be like Ty Lue is gone after this year, no matter what? I mean, maybe. Like I, I think it's gonna it's gonna come down to his health. Obviously, like kind of saw that with with Steve Kerr. There there's some speculation he could be done coaching the Warriors. Um, uh, you know, Steve Steve Clifford has, has had his his issues this season. Like, I, I think it obviously health comes first, or at least it should. Uh, and you shouldn't jeopardize your your long term or even short short term health uh, to you know coach a team. So, uh, I'm just interested to see like when he comes back. Like, is this a short thing where he's back next week, or is it like? this is lingering into like the end of the regular season. Is it lingering into the playoffs? Um, 
you know, there was also, you know, Kerr missed some playoff time, um, you know, because of, because of his issues. So th- that's what I'm most interested in, but I- I'm guessing like, I-, I think he'll be fine, but I- I'm not a doctor. So I, you know, I can't really say that. It just seems like what's being reported. It doesn't seem like anything serious enough to, to kind of be a long-term thing, but you never know. And, you know, for him to have to step away. And, and like you said, uh, it seems like they- they've been saying this has been a long time coming. Like, uh, it seems like it's, it's kind of serious. So um, I'm interested to see how this kind of plays out and, and how it affects the Cavs. Yeah, and the fact that it's a long time coming makes me think that, especially with the, uh, like we both said, we're neither of us, uh, spoiler alert, neither of us are doctors. <laughs> However, I, I just think if you are suffering, or like I think we've all had jobs where it's just been really stressful and things like that, and it just wears on you, but like I don't, know if this is like one of those situations where he just needs to do the lebron vacation and come back recharged in a couple weeks and it'll be all fine or the alternative which i think makes more sense to me is that lebron is still going to be on the last year of his deal there's still going to be a bunch of Cavs drama surrounding this team when he comes back like i don't see how any of that improves like i don't he's if he does come back this year he's still going to jump right back into this uber stressful environment where the expectation is he has to find a way to get this team into the NBA finals again. And I don't know how that becomes less stressful for him and like helps him get more sleep knowing that if, when he does come back, it's still the pressure is right back on. It's just, I think the most difficult job in the NBA right now. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. Again, like I, I I don't know this, the exact specifics yet in terms of is this like a stress thing? Is this like a lack of sleep thing? Is this, you know, something else where, where maybe those two things triggered something that could be hereditary or just kind of in, in his DNA. Like I, again, I'm not a doctor, so I, I don't really know, but um, obviously like you just said, you know, coaching this team, it's probably the most difficult job in, in the NBA and and possibly right now, even in in sports, uh, you know, at least like um, North American, you know, professional sports uh, of the big sports um, just because of the, the constant speculation, like literally everything the Cavs do um, right now becomes a national news story. And even, you know, from, from the smallest things. So uh, I don't know, like I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. I think what what I think is interesting is now it's like official that um, if this Cavs, like if this Cavs team makes the finals, I think it's one of the most impressive things that LeBron has achieved in his career. And I I think that's saying a lot because he's uh, obviously uh, achieved a lot of impressive things, but just in terms of, you know, like, like he said, you know, I'm not used to not, you know, it's been a while since I haven't played with a second all-star, like, you know, take Kevin Love off this team as he currently is, is injured. Like this team, is this team like that much better than, you know, the, the Oh nine Cavs or, or the 2010 Cavs? Like, are they similar? Are they like slightly better? Like maybe they're slightly better, but um, I, I almost feel like, Mo Williams around that time is better than anyone else on this Cavs team, you know, as, as weird as that sounds. Uh, 
So I'm just kind of like, and, and even, even so like Kevin Love, you know, he's had his moments and I don't want to like discredit him, but Kevin Love in Cleveland has, has obviously not been uh, Minnesota Kevin Love. And most of that's been by design and just kind of his role and, and Kyrie being there for, for majority of the time he's been there. But I don't know if that's something that he can just turn on and, you know, if it's like a switch or, or, you know, we haven't really seen, um, you know, like, full Kevin Love besides like the beginning of the season. And I'm just interested to see what the, what the playoffs coming up, like, you know, when he eventually comes back, how, what this, you know, what the rotation looks like now, um, who's playing what, you know, with the big man minutes, uh, how small are they going? Um, you know, they've been playing a lot of Larry Nance at the five. So are they just going to be playing a lot of love at the five? And it's just going to maybe be him and, and love and maybe Tristan's a little bit out of the rotation. Like I'm really intri- intrigued to see, you know, what happens with, with this Cleveland rotation and, and just kind of how they, they, they come together with Kevin Love coming back because I, I'm becoming more and more skeptical of, of their chances of not only making the finals, but even making the Eastern Conference finals. I, I really think Toronto or Boston in the second round could, could push them uh, to six or seven games. And, I, you know, I, I'm always a LeBron optimist, so I, I rarely think you know, I've kind of always picked them as a heavy favorite, but but just kind of looking at this team, the way they're playing, their their defensive holes, like I, I just don't really see a path for them having. You know, I think they can make the finals. It's just going to be very difficult, and it's going to be six or seven game series. Um, and again, they have LeBron, so it's possible. But uh, I think this is going to be really tough. And and if he if they somehow make the finals. I think it's going to be very impressive and, and, you know, a big, a big plus on his like, you know, career ledger. Yeah. I, um, I'm right there with you. I think right now, if I really had to do a Eastern Conference hierarchy is I would put Toronto at my favorite right now, just seeing what they're doing. Although last night they had my favorite moment of the year with Dwayne Casey getting, ejected for comments he didn't say lowry didn't even say it's like some fan apparently said something and the ref thought it came from casey and casey got tossed and just a crazy game against the thunder but i think the raptors with their depth and just the way they're playing and the way derozan's playing and i I just can't quit them but at the same time i love seeing the uh box score of I, i didn't watch pacers wizards but having watched a lot of wizards this year it's one of the most frustrating things in the world because their first quarters are always awesome. Their third quarters are awesome because their starters are awesome. So they're all like, they beat the Pacers by like, I think eight and it was like 110, 102 or something like that. But he, uh, <laughs> this team is just so good with their starters. Like Sadoransky has been great filling in for John Wall and they're still going to be right there in that four or five spot. And I think they just won the season tiebreaker with the Pacers with that win. So they'll probably get like a four seed. But if they get like matched up with Cleveland in round one, I would take the Wizards over the Caps. Like that's starting because they are a team that benefits from the playoff rotation structure because their bench is just a dumpster fire. But if they go into the playoffs with only having to play Mahimni, Oubre, and Sadoransky and a healthy John Wall, that is a very, very dangerous team, and I'm still not going to quit the Wizards, and I think they're still destined to make the Eastern Conference Finals this year, but I I just love that team, and I love what Beal has done, and I still don't like Gortat, but he was, he's been better of late. Otto Porter has taken another jump, and just Markeith is fine, and I, I still am a believer 
and the Wizards just being a team that is going to always kind of struggle surviving in the regular season because their depth is just so bad. But come playoff time, this is a team that when they have eight guys in their rotation, they're just going to be a problem. And yeah, so if I really, I'm, I'm still talking myself into the Wizards, but the Raptors and the Wizards are my two favorite right now. I don't have the Celtics there, and especially with Marcus Smart being out, um, just they're just getting destroyed with the injury bug right now. No Hayward and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not there with the Celtics. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I hope we get Celtics heat in the first round because I think that will be a bloodbath. And I don't. I think the Celtics will survive, but it will be very, very painful. And then uh, I don't see them advancing past the second round. I don't see them being an Eastern Conference Finals team this year. But yeah, I, I don't think the Cavs are getting out of the East this year, and it's it's pretty sad. But if they do, it's probably LeBron's best work in a long time. Yeah, since since winning, uh, well, like excluding winning that that amazing championship. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I so it's a weird like. Because I want to say Cleveland's in trouble, but then on the other hand, uh, look like Toronto. To me, I like them. I, I like the the new offense. I love the bench. I think they're very deep. This is you know, this is the best Raptors team of this you know, ever and of this era. Also the deepest Raptors team of this era. Uh, that said, like I, you know, in my opinion. The, the playoff failures are legitimate. Like they've never won a game one. Uh, we've seen DeRozan and Lowry three consecutive seasons, uh, you know, play significantly worse in the playoffs. Their numbers go down across the board in you know basically every category, uh, especially shooting percentages. Um, the offense stagnates and becomes predictable. Uh, you know, devolves into very isolation heavy my turn, your turn between DeRozan and Lowry. So until they prove to me that that's different, like this regular season stuff is cute and it's impressive, but, you know, I, I want to see it in the playoffs. And if they go out and win game one against whoever they play and, you know, crush them by 20, they will have a believer in me. But until that happens, I'm still skeptical of Toronto. And I think they're vulnerable in the second round against, Boston, Cleveland, or Washington. Um, with, with Boston, I actually am I'm way more optimistic on Boston. Boston is, is a team that uh, kind of scares me if, I, if I'm Cleveland or Toronto. Uh, they have to be healthy, so we'll see if they can get you know 100% or close to 100% by the playoffs. Uh, but I really like Boston. I think you know they have just defensive versatility that, you know, other teams don't necessarily have. I, I really like, uh, I mean, like, but Kyrie, like we, we've seen with Kyrie in the playoffs, Kyrie takes it up to a, a, a different notch. Um, uh, obviously Al Horford is, is awesome. Uh, Brown and Tatum are the big question marks for me. Of just, you know, there's going to be Brown's second postseason, Tatum's first postseason. We've, we've seen with young guys that they can be hit or miss in the playoffs. Uh, so, I'm intrigued by that team. And then Washington, I'm with you. I, I think people should be afraid of them. The Cleveland matchup, for whatever reason, LeBron does really well against Washington. and kind of has yeah. some vendetta against them, hitting back to Gilbert Arenas. So that would be <laughs> my thing. Is like I just don't see how they stop LeBron. 
and, and you know that might just be a series where he's so damn good that it doesn't matter. But I, I do I yeah. do agree that Washington in the playoffs is better. I, I, it would not surprise me. It, it would surprise me a little bit if they beat Cleveland, but it would not surprise me at all if they beat Boston or Toronto. Like they're totally capable of Agreed. that uh, as long as John Wall is back. Um, and, it's weird, right? Yeah. Like we see them as like I, I think I'd be a lot more comfortable like if. Toronto and I think Boston definitely want to avoid Washington for as long as humanly possible because I'm right there with you. I think um, Washington is just like salivating up the opportunity of getting Toronto in the second round. I I think they want them and that's the series that I want to see. But um, Cleveland, I I think they actually would love to get Boston in round two or even round one. Like I think LeBron, I I just... (laughs) LeBron getting Kyrie early on in the playoffs. I, I'm and just seeing. I guess the last time they played was just the blowout with the new group. But I don't know. I think Boston would get wrecked in a seven game series with Cleveland right now. I, I think LeBron would. There is no chance LeBron is losing to Kyrie in a seven game series the first year um, of their split. Like I'm really confident in a series between the two of them going Cleveland's way. And then Boston has the other problem of like they don't play Toronto well because Toronto's just big and they have Jonas and now they have Pirtle and Surge and just they play Boston really well. So then Boston's just down to like basically Washington. So I, I don't know. I think the matchups are going to be key, which is uh, not a unique thought, I guess, coming to the NBA playoffs, but matchups will matter. Um, changing gears a little bit. The Denver Nuggets have fallen to ninth in the Western Conference playoff picture. Things are not looking great. Mike Malone sat Jokic for an entire fourth quarter recently. It's uh it's not great. <laughs> it's um it's kind of baffling that things have fallen apart as much as it has and we say all that, but they're still only a few games out of the playoffs and everything is everybody I believe let me check the numbers. Yes, every team outside of the Rockets and the Warriors in the Western Conference is 40 and 30. Um no, but it certainly seems like that. And they just lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, who had lost, I believe, 19 games in a row yes. before um, yeah. <laughs> the Nuggets fell. So that's just, I, I can't get over this, but the Nuggets, uh, they have just been dying to get in the playoffs. They signed Millsap. They just, it, it looked great, and it just doesn't feel like, it should be this much of a problem and getting Millsap back has kind of like weirdly hurt them. And I just, I can't get my head around it. Where are you at with this Nuggets team? (sighs) Okay. So two things on this. Number one, any team that loses to the Memphis Grizzlies who are literally are like a G league team plus Marcus soul, but Marcus soul has pretty much given up on the season because he's depressed and hates his teammates. Uh, <laughs> so to lose yeah. to that team, I honestly thought that once the Grizzlies lost to the Bulls, which was just an a, a, a atrocious game. Like, I don't know if you saw any of that, but that was just like peak tanking basketball. Uh, once they lost mm-hmm. to the Bulls, I was like, they could lose out. Like looking at the rest of their schedule, I was like, the Grizzlies really could lose out. Like, I just don't see how they're going to beat any of these teams. Of course they beat the Nuggets. So to me, any team that loses to the Grizzlies does not deserve to make the playoffs. Number two, I try not to make bold predictions, but I'm going to make a pretty emphatic prediction right now. The Nuggets are done. 
the the Nuggets Ooh, are not making okay. the playoffs. I I don't I really don't see, like so they're six and six after the All Star break, uh, five and four once Millsap's back. Um, but their defense has been horrible, uh, and and basically any bench heavy lineup with like three or more bench guys is like not only is it a, a net negative, it's like in the double digits. And the starting lineup has actually been good with Millsap back in the lineup. Uh, they're at plus six point seven points per hundred possessions, which is really really good. Uh, but mm-hmm. without him, basically that lineup with, uh, I guess with, was it with Barton in there in, instead? Yeah. I'm pretty um, sure it's Barton. that lineup was getting killed and yeah. So basically this team, their, their bench is, is trash. Anytime they're forced to play multiple bench players, it's really ugly. Um, and then really just looking at their schedule, like their schedule is brutal. So they just started this seven game road trip, which you, you would think the layup would have been the Grizzlies. They lost that game, but look at the, look at the, the six games you got at Miami, Miami, I guess is locked into the playoffs pretty much, but they're trying to avoid yeah. probably the eight seed. Um, mm-hmm. You got at Chicago. Okay. That's, that should be winnable at Washington, which is probably a loss at Philly, which could be a loss at Toronto, which is a loss. (laughs) And then at OKC, which is probably a loss. So there's a real chance like Denver could go three and four or two and five on the seven game road trip, which I think would, would probably seal their fate. And then their, their last six games, Milwaukee, Indiana, Minnesota, at LA, Portland at Minnesota. So it's like they're, they're playing playoff teams basically the rest of the way besides Chicago. So you know, there's no given, there's no real gimmies for them on the rest of the schedule. They could easily drop another like seven, eight, nine games. And at that point they'd be at like, you know, maybe 42, 43, 44 wins, which I don't think is, is getting it done. Looks like you're going to need like 46 maybe to, to be the eight seed. So, um, I think Denver's done. Uh, like you said, it, it kind of sucks because they, they kind of want all in on the playoffs. Like, I think I, I had them in the six, seven range heading into the season. Uh, granted, Paul Millsap has missed like 40 games. So, uh, I don't, you know, I, I think factoring that in, like you probably would assume that, that they would drop a few games and, and maybe miss the playoffs. But um, I just think looking at their schedule compared to everyone else's, it might be the hardest of all the playoff contenders, or at least like right up there with anyone else's. And, uh, I just think this this road trip is is make or break, and with the way they've been playing, it's probably break. I agree. I don't like they're making the playoffs, and I also think that means Mike Malone's probably getting fired this off season, especially because it, it in the NBA it's never a good idea to feud with your team's best player because generally the uh, front office will side with the best player, and Malone is came in with the defensive reputation, and defense is their problem. And I think this goes back to when you watch them, and this has always been, I guess this has kind of gone from the Blazers problem because the talk for years was, can you create a top 10 defensive efficiency defense with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard? And it turns out you can, because I think they're what, like sixth right now in defensive rating. Um, So it's been a great year for them. So they've shown that they can, and Terry Stotts deserves a lot of credit for that. But now it's transition into the nuggets because jamal murray and gary harris were on when they are on the floor together bad defensive rating like 
you just look at it and this is another thing we should point out they just lost gary harris we he's out right now and he has been their most important perimeter player this year he's been awesome and this is not the time to lose gary harris if you're making a playoff push and i i just i don't i don't know if you can like jamal murray is a great shooter and he is definitely up to his game this year but i do kind of worry about the size disadvantage of gary harris and jamal murray long term and whether or not either of them i i I like them both individually but i'm not sure you can create a top 10 defense or even a top 15 defense with those two but um i don't know because Jokic, his defensive rating is not bad like he is the best um offensive rating and defensive rating on the team at 120 and 107 he is i I don't really understand what's going on with him and malone and it's probably just between them what's going on there but i just with their guys and wilson chandler it should be better for this team on the wing but it kind of reminds me of the clippers too where they have never found that right long defensive minded wing to pair with their other weapons on the perimeter and inside and I don't know who it is, but if I was just, I don't know. It's not Barton. It's not Wilson Chandler. And they just, they should have, I think, been more proactive in finding the right long wing to help Murray and Harris on the perimeter and their disadvantages there. So I'm kind of surprised that their biggest uh, (laughs) deal at the deadline was like trading away Moutier, who was just awful for them. And that really hurts that lottery pick not panning out. And then, um, bringing in Devin Harris. So I, I don't know. I think this is just going to be a really interesting off season for the nuggets. If they don't make the playoffs, because if they don't, I don't see how you can bring Malone back both with missing the playoffs after spending big on Millsap and feuding with, uh, the Joker. So I, I'm, I feel bad because those Denver fans, they're just dying to get back in the playoffs. And it's fun to watch. They really are a fun team to watch. And I'd like to see them in the playoffs, but it's uh it's not trending upward at all yeah i i completely agree and also to that point a little bit mentioning the clippers like i i think they're probably the other team that doesn't make the playoffs uh they don't have a particularly easy schedule uh and i I think just looking at it like you know houston and, and golden state already clinched portland is not even close to clinching because that's how close the, the, the West playoff race is, but Portland, and they've won like 37 games in a row. Yeah. And still like, haven't clinched. How many games in a row do they have to win to clinch? So, uh, well, and they have Houston next, so that's going to be a big test. Um, I, I'm still a little skeptical on Portland. Uh, like I, I'm so skeptical that I almost, I mean, really we'll, we'll, we'll see who they play. I, I think really the, but whoever they play, I think I would favor the other team in the first round. Um, that, that's how skeptical I am of Portland. Um, unless it's, unless it's new Orleans, I think I would take, um, Portland over new Orleans, but if they're playing OKC, if they're playing Utah, if they're playing Minnesota with Jimmy back, if, if it's just this version of Minnesota, then yeah, I'll take Portland. But if, if Jimmy's back and, and Minnesota's relative, you know, healthy with their rotation, I'll take Minnesota. And Antonio, I, I think that would be close, but I, I don't know. You know, is Kawhi back? Is Kawhi not back? Uh, we'll see. But yeah, like I, I'm a little skeptical of Portland, but 
Portland's going to be in. OKC is going to be in. Utah is playing amazing. Uh, I think that they have a lot of momentum with Rudy back uh, and just kind of in, you know in a really good flow right now. I think Utah is going to make it. Uh, the Spurs and Timberwolves would be like the two picks, but I think they just you know one team has Pop, one team has, has Towns and and Tibbs, and I, I like I, I just don't see any of those teams dropping out. Uh, so. Really, with with the Clippers' schedule, like I'm kind of thinking, they're them and Denver, the two teams that missed the playoffs. How much do we need to blame Bumble and their partnership <laughs> for the Clippers missing the playoffs? I think it's been a huge distraction since. Uh, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the Bumble yeah, I still can't get over that tweet. Um, the comparison in the quotes oh, well, can't get yeah, over it. Yeah. If you haven't already, go ahead and check that out. But uh, pretty great. Um. It's amazing that the Jazz are in the fifth spot because I swear, like a couple days ago, they were out of the playoffs and now they're back into. There are. Okay. So the Jazz are 40 and 30. The Pelicans are 40 and 30. The Spurs are 40 and 30. The Timberwolves are at the eighth spot and they've been in the fourth spot basically all year long. And they're in the eighth spot at 40 and 31. So um, it's. Uh, the Nuggets are a game and a half back from the Wolves and the Clippers are two games back. So, I mean, they're still technically in there, but. I agree with you that I think both of them are going to end up missing, but now we're in the point where seeding is just getting more and more critical, especially in the West um, that I'm excited about. But ultimately it sucks. But if the Clippers, I mean, uh, not the Clippers, the Nuggets, I think are going to regret not acquiring some sort of wing. I know it's hard to do and it's making trades or it's difficult, but I, I don't know. Like Stanley Johnson was floated out there. You had like, I don't know. There's just teams around that I think you could have called and seen if you could have found a good veteran three and D guy to add to this rotation because Wilson Chandler, I just, I don't know why he's still on this roster and Will Barton is just better as a six man. He should not be closing games, everything else like that. So we'll see what happens, but they're in for an interesting off season that I think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's an attractive job, I think, getting to coach Jokic and Murray and Harris and Millsap. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, another team that is out, but they even have less of a shot of making the playoffs because they're like eight games under 500 now. The Pistons, they acquired a guy that you and I are both familiar with and we both like a lot, Blake Griffin. And uh, it's not gone great. Like he has a 104 offensive rating and 110 defensive rating since being acquired by the Pistons. Like, I just, this team, it's just so sad. And their losses down the stretch and Stan and Gundy getting fined, complaining about officials and everything else. And I don't know why, I think I'm going to write about this, but why are we not talking more about the Pistons having to blow things up this offseason? That it's, they went all in again. They made big trades. They've swung really hard and it did not happen. And Stan, I, I, they should not be this bad offensively without Reggie Jackson. Like losing Reggie Jackson should not torpedo anybody's season. And it just has. And like Ishmith is fine, but like he's still playing Jameer Nelson, who I, I don't know why he's playing over Langston Galloway. I don't know what he does better than Langston Galloway. And I'm always going to be here, here for him. But I just, I don't understand why this team is so bad offensively. When you consider that they have Reggie Bullock, who is shooting like 45% from three, you have, um, uh, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, who has just been amazing this year. Like, 
I, I don't really understand why they've been so bad. I guess it's just because they've had to play guys like Stanley Johnson and Ish Smith and Jameer Nelson and Luke Kennard and a lot of guys who are just not there offensively yet. But I don't know. I, I just, this team is such a disaster and I feel really bad for Blake and I want him out of there this off season Do the right thing, Detroit, get him out of there. Um, yeah, the Pistons. So they, they started off five and zero uh, after the Blake trade, they, they got that juice from the new trade. Since then they've gone three and 13. Um, they have a negative 3.1 net rating with Blake. Uh, that's just total, not, not with him on the court. Um, they have a 25th ranked offense, 15th ranked defense. Uh, so the starting lineup, you know, similar to the Nuggets, uh, the, the starting lineup actually is a plus 5.5 net rating. It's just basically yeah. any other. Well, that's that's the Stanley Johnson starting lineup. The James Ennis starting lineup is negative 12 net rating, which is terrible. Um, but, but yeah, with Blake and, and Drummond on the court, they're negative 1.6. So it's not like that's like some magic elixir. Um, like, you know, I, I think this team is kind of similar to Denver just in the sense that they don't have a lot of depth. And anytime they have multiple bench guys on the court, like they really struggle. And I almost wonder if, if there'd be a way to kind of stagger um, the lineups a little more where, you know, you kind of maybe take Blake out early uh, around like the, you know, six or seven minute mark and kind of put him back in with the second unit and run the second unit through him a little bit. Um, and then kind of with, with the, the starters, uh, you know, the rest of the starters in the first and third kind of run things more just like high pick and roll with, with drum in and, and put shooters around him uh, and just kind of continue to do that. Cause um, you know, this team, like I don't think they have a lot of offensive talent outside of, of Drummond and Blake um, and Reggie Jackson once he's healthy, but I think they should be better than the, the 25th best offense um, just with those two guys with Kennard, with Anthony Tolliver, uh, you know, with, just with some of the shooting they have. Um, I, I think they should be better than that. And uh, defensively, I understand like league average. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. That's actually maybe a little bit better than you would think with, with this team, but uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, the Pistons are done too. Like they're not making the playoffs. They're so far behind now. Um, I mean, look, I, I think they would love to blow it up. It's just, you know, who's who like, outside of, of Drummond, what interesting pieces do they have? Like Stanley Johnson's still interesting, but I don't think you're going to get a lot for him. Uh, no one's going to take the Blake contract. Uh, no one wants Reggie Jackson. Uh, you know, maybe Luke Kennard could be, could be moved for something, but like, I just don't really see how they blow it up because they don't really have any, like, you know, the, the pieces they'd have to blow up. I don't think anybody wants. So, um, I'm interested to see if they fire Sam Van Gundy and, and kind of what plays out with that, or maybe they strip him of, of his dual role. Uh, but yeah, the Pistons are kind of screwed. And I, I think they're going to be, at least as currently constructed, they're going to be in that, like, you know, maybe they're fighting for the seven or eight seed, but they're also could drop to like 11 or 12. Like they're going to kind of be in that seven to 12 range for the next couple of years. And uh, that's, that's really a place no one wants to be because, 
at best you're, you know, getting swept or winning one game in the first round. And, and at worst, you, you know, you're, you're missing the playoffs barely and then getting, you know, 14th pick. So uh, uh, this is not ideal uh, for, for anybody. And, you know, it, it looks to me like the Clippers clearly won the Blake trade. Uh, and that's not a, you know, as, yeah. we, as we talked about, that wasn't how I was feeling originally. I was kind of more on the on the Blake side and kind of taking the the star talent, but he is just not. You know, they've kind of marginalized him, turned him into a spot up shooter. Um, you know, taking him outside the paint a lot more than he already. You know, he, he's already kind of transitioned into that type of player, but even more so in Detroit than than he had with the Clippers. And uh, I just don't think they're using him as effectively as they could. And to me, I think they just got to stagger things a little more and, and kind of let him be Blake, even if it's just with the second unit, like you got to let Blake be Blake. Otherwise um, I don't think he has the the shooting versatility to kind of just be a spot up shooter. So uh, yeah, I mean, Detroit season's over. Uh, They're they're just playing for, to kind of screw the Clippers uh, right now (laughs) Uh, with that pick. But uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I think they'd love to blow it up. I I just don't think they can. I think you could, maybe you can't blow up the roster, but you can blow up this front office and Jeff Bauer who got the job because he's just like the placeholder GM with Stan who has complete control. Like, I don't know how you could sell Stan. Like, the James Ennis deal, absolutely terrible. He has been awful for them. I've never really understood the James Ennis stuff. Like, like you say, I think you brought up like one of the best lineups they have with Griffin because the one with Ennis has been destroyed. So like Smith, Bullock, Ennis, Griffin, and Drummond has been outscored by 38 points. They have plus minus of minus 38. And Smith, Bullock, Johnson, Griffin, Drummond is plus 17. And that's their second most used lineup um, this season. So like obviously there is something there. And I do think you can like just looking at the Pelicans in the West, like figuring it out with Cousins and Davis. You can figure it out with Drummond. And Blake, just like the Clippers figured out with DeAndre and Blake, I think there is a way of doing that. And you're locked in with these two guys anyway. So you might as well, I think everybody else, you kind of mix and match now. Like, but I would do it with a different ownership structure, or you're going to go down the same road where you have the doc like moves where they just trade for guys. that They um, are veterans and they know that might be able to contribute and they bring in guys. They know like Stan, brought in Jameer Nelson, who was good for him 10 years ago in Orlando when they got to the finals. And just, I, I don't think this is a good strategy long-term, but you have two really, really talented front court guys that could be problems um, for a lot of teams in the East if you get the right coaching staff and the right roster around them. But I think they need to do a lot of reshuffling, especially within management. I would probably move on from Stan after this season because he's not going to relinquish control of the, I, I don't, I guess he could, do the doc thing where he relinquishes control, but I doubt it. Yeah. And if he doesn't be okay with that, then you got to move on. And I just, I, I think it's tough, but yeah, I think you really, time is critical right now when you're a team like the Pistons and you just had this new arena that just opened and you have two superstars and Blake and Drummond just should not be this bad, especially uh, offensively. It should be a lot more fun. They should be playing a fun brand of basketball with Blake and Drummond, and it's just not happening. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. I think they got to figure out what the hell they're doing this summer. Um, they've also, you know, kind of missed on the draft the past few years, and then this year they don't even have their pick because uh, of the 
Clippers trade, but um, yeah, I, I'm. I, I, they, they got me stumped because I, I think they're just kind of screwed, and I don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel. Besides, wait a few years until Blake's contract comes off the books, and um, oh god, you know, may, maybe at that point you've accumulated some more draft talent. But uh, yeah, they they don't like they don't have a lot of young talent on this team. There's not. You know the the role players are their role players. You kind of know what to expect from them. Um, like James Ennis and, and Anthony Tolliver aren't going to really develop any new skills at this point. Um, you know Reggie Bullock is Reggie Bullock. Like I just don't, I, I don't see any a lot of room for growth besides like Kennard and, and Stanley Johnson each getting a little bit better. But like even at that point, I, I don't know how good either one of those two will ever be. So. Um, they're going to have to add, you know, they're going to have to add some pieces, but Drummond and, and Griffin are locked up for like 61 million a year combined each. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough when, you know, 60% or, or more of your cap space is, is getting tied up by two guys. Um, so we'll see. I, I'm not optimistic with the Pistons, but, uh, you know, I guess miracles can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on. So we've kind of we kind of started with this in the LeBron talk, but what playoff matchups are you rooting for hardest right now? Like that's where we're at with the NBA season. It's just like we're always just checking the standings to see who would get matched up with who. And I still have my favorite in the East and the West that I really, really want to see. Um, where are you at with um, the East and the West? What matchups are you most intrigued by? So we're talking purely first round. Purely first round, yeah. Because uh, I think everything after the first round, matchup wise, are always fun. Like I've always, like I think the first round is just kind of a slog if you get the wrong teams matched up with one another. But everybody in the top four and both sides, I think it gets really fun. So um, yeah, just first round. Um, I I think Cavs Wizards is probably the peak. Like. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I think at this point it would take a lot for that to happen because it looks like, I mean, the Wizards are only one game out of sixth place, but they, I just, I mean, look, I guess Philly's probably going to move up. Um, but yeah, I think I think on on paper, Cleveland Washington would be a really fun series that would go at least six games either way. Um, I think second to that for me would be Cleveland Philly uh, only because I don't think Philly could beat them, but I, I think Joel Embiid would be a massive problem for them. I don't think Tristan or Larry or Kevin uh, could have any prayer of trying to stop Joel Embiid in a playoff series. Uh, and I, I think like the LeBron versus Embiid kind of trolling, you know, LeBron goes off social media during the playoffs, but uh, you know, we, I don't think Embiid's going to do that. So that that would be kind of fun to see uh, Embiid kind of try to troll LeBron a little bit. You also have the Ben Simmons-LeBron connection and, and similarities there. Uh, I I actually like the, the, the Sixers. Like, to me, of the, the bottom four teams in the East, that's the team that I think is most built for the playoffs. Um they have a nice mix of, of young guys and veterans. 
they have two legit stars in Embiid and Simmons. Uh, I think, you know, JJ uh, has had kind of an up and down season, but, you know, I, I think he, he'll be more reliable in the playoffs. Uh, Dario, like, I really like Brett Brown as a coach. So, I, I you know, if I'm one of the top four teams, which is probably Toronto, Boston, Cleveland, Washington, in some order with, with the three, four there, uh, the team I don't want to face is Philly. Um, followed closely by Milwaukee. Uh, so, so for the East, I would say Cleveland, Washington, and Cleveland, Philly. In the West, this is tough. Um, I think at, at full strength, OKC, Minnesota would be really fun. Uh, I would still favor OKC, but uh, I think there's just a lot of star power in that series. And, um, you know, I, I think it would, it would be very interesting uh i think and then on the same note i, I think okc portland uh or minnesota portland if minnesota's healthy uh either one of those series for me like utah utah you kind of know what you're gonna get um the spurs if Kawhi's not back i don't really care for watching them and new orleans i guess will, will be fun to see anthony davis try and get his first playoff win but i, I think for me that the teams i'm most excited for in in the first round would be Portland, OKC, and Minnesota. Um, just because I, I think you kind of got a nice mix of, of, for me, I like star power. I like, you know, uh, high octane offenses. I like, um, you know, threes and stuff. So those are the teams I'd like to see uh, face off. Okay. I like it. I think we're on the same page with the East because my Eastern Conference wish list starts with Philly versus cleveland that's what i really really want um i don't know how it goes i would still bet on lebron in round one but i think it would be a huge pain and just that was probably one of my favorite games i've seen this year the sixers ending up beating um the Cavs and jordan clarkson obviously having a meltdown at the end and just i think that's gonna that would be a very testy series that would be a lot of fun and just seeing ben and lebron go at each other and that kind of thing i I really want that in round one. I think it'd be good for the NBA if they could get that um, matchup, but it's it's going to be difficult. <clears throat> in the West, and by the way, I'm a little hurt that you put the Wizards in the Cavs first round series because the Wizards aren't beating LeBron in round one. So I'm very upset that you want to knock out the Wizards. Well, hold on, hold on. After you, I've been pushing. <laughs> you, we got to replay this tape. You said earlier in the pod okay. that if the Wizards played the Cavs right now, you would pick the Wizards over the Cavs. I would, but I don't want it to happen. I want the Wizards to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I don't want them to have to go against the Cavs in round one. I'd like for them to at least get a couple of round wins. I want them to take out somebody first. I, I, want it to, I want to build up to the Cavs. I don't want it round one. Well, yeah, I no. I mean, I'm just I, thinking like <laughs> peak. I think that would be the peak first round matchup, but. I'd be nervous, I, I think Cle- but I, I have to stick Cleveland to my guts, Philly like you said. If I just likely. said it 45 minutes ago, then I need to stick to my word. So, yeah, I would still pick the Wizards as of right now, but um, I would not. I'd be nervous. I'll say that. In the West, I really want San Antonio, Houston, in round one. We know the history there, and if Kawhi comes back for that series... I mean, I still think the Rockets are just playing out of this world. They've won 9 of 10. They're still dominating, but Man, like, would that not be just terrifying for this Houston team and Maury and company? Just Kawhi waiting this whole time and then the Spurs sneaking in and getting Kawhi back for that series because I, I it will be incredibly intense and it would just be something where 
it's been a really forgettable season for San Antonio, but they were in the three spot for most of this year without Kawhi. LaMarcus Aldridge has still been great. I I would like to see it. I don't know if the Spurs will be able to pull it off, but I would say it's possible. And we've seen how Harden has played in the playoffs thus far, and just um, Chris Paul adds a different element, but I would love to see that. And then my backup, I really want Warriors Thunder, but it's not going to happen because the Thunder have won six straight and are 43 and 29 right now. And it looks like they're going to get a top four seed. But at the very least, I like that the top four seeds in the West are all going to present fun matchups in round two with Portland, OKC, Golden State, and Houston. Like those are all going to make things really interesting. Um, I think Portland and like just Lillard and Steph, if they get matched up with each other in round two, is just going to be incredible to watch. And then, of course, Harden going at Westbrook and Paul and just all that kind of stuff is would be really fun. So I'm excited to see it that matchup. So I don't really want to see any upsets in the West because I want to see those four teams make it to the second round and get matched up with one another. But um, yeah, I think it's kind of this. Maybe it's kind of the same in the East too, where it's like I want to see the Raptors, Celtics, Wizards, and Cavs make it to round two and just see um, who gets matched up with who and how they go against one another but um the first round all about interesting matchups so that's where i'm at yeah my, my thing would would only be with with that is you know for the same reasons you don't want the wizards to get knocked out in round one uh i don't want the rockets to get knocked out and i i would still pick them over the spurs but you know i mean the spurs have been a problem for them and and Kawhi coming back i mean he didn't he does not look like Kawhi when he's played the season but it, you know, he has obviously been resting for for a bit now, and and we don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back if he does come back. So, if Kawhi comes back at like even ninety percent, that's a problem for for anybody that they play. Um, and you know, it would be interesting to see if if Houston gets punched in the mouth and like the Spurs come in and win Game One, uh, how they respond to that. Uh, that side, I think Houston, I would still pick them comfortably over pretty much anybody in the first round uh, besides Golden State. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the I think the West is going to be – the West has much more hit or miss potential. Like the one team we haven't talked about uh, that I'm interested to see how they play is, is Indiana. Um, like to hmm. me, really on paper – Indiana is the team I want to play if I'm one of the top four teams in the East. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, Can you we know, go ahead and say on this podcast, can I go ahead and say there is a 1,000% chance the Pacers and the Utah Jazz are not winning a first-round series in the playoffs. Done deal. You can write it. I, I am 100% confident. Like The Pacers are a great story. The Jazz are a great story. They are not winning a first-round series. It's not happening. Yeah, I, I, would, I would probably agree with you. I think Utah could give Portland problems um, just because of Rudy. And uh, I think they don't really have anyone to stop Donovan Mitchell, uh, where Utah, I think, has has multiple guys to kind of throw uh, at at Dame and CJ. But I still would would pick Portland in that series. But yeah, I mean, I I think... Like Indiana, I don't want to, you know, discredit them. Like, you know, maybe the, I would say like they're a harder matchup than Miami. I think it'd be close, but 
Uh, I just think Miami's pedigree, the, the coaching, um, and kind of, I think once they make, you know, last year they didn't get to make the playoffs, uh, despite that, that monster second half of the season. Uh, so I think this year, you know, I, I think white, uh, a guy like Whiteside and, and Dragic are going to be very difficult in the playoffs. Oladipo, this is going to yeah. be his first time, uh, as like the go-to guy in a playoff series. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I, I think Indiana has been a little bit of, of fool's gold throughout the season. So I, I would much rather play them than Philly or Milwaukee. I mean, we barely, we didn't really talk about Giannis, but like playoff Giannis was a thing last year. I think it's going to be a thing again this year. Like he almost beat the Raptors single-handedly. Uh, and that's, you know, amazing. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to play either of those teams. I, give me Indiana. So uh, we'll see who gets the fortune of, of playing Indiana in the first round. All right. Well, we just pissed off every Jazz and Pacer fan that listens to podcast. So we apologize. We we like your team. We just don't think you're going to win a first round series. That's all. It's nothing personal. I've enjoyed watching both. I love Donovan Mitchell, and I've enjoyed watching Old Depot this year. And they, the Pacers are like one of those teams you can tell if someone actually watches them at all, if you the way you talk about them. But they rely on the fast break. They push the pace. They force a bunch of turnovers. They're they're fun to watch. I mean, Lance had was like ten of fifteen and had like twenty five off the bench for them the other night. So, no, the Pacers are they're fun. They're just uh, not going to first round series, and the Jazz aren't either. So, that's where we're at. But uh, Yovan, thank you so much as always for taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Yovan Bua. We can read you at ESPN.com slash NBA. And uh, yeah, so we will have to talk again soon, man. Sounds good. All right, Nick Cellini is on the line right now. And Nick, Ronald Acuna is going to start the 2018 MLB season off as a Gwinnett Striper. How excited are you? Um, well, I forgot that Gwinnett's the Stripers now. That's right. Um, they're, they're fish. They are. No longer the Braves because people in the Gwinnett suburb area, suburban area or people surrounding the outside the perimeter area of Atlanta – got confused about the Atlanta Braves and the Gwinnett Braves and would drive to the wrong location for the new stadium at SunTrust. Would they really? Team. Yes, that's the rationale behind why they changed their name because people are going to the wrong place with tickets in hand for the wrong game. Like, have you actually, like, talked to people who did that or, or is that just, like, the line? I don't think I would... I haven't talked to anyone like that because I'm not sure how I'd react in the moment if they told me that they drove to the wrong place buying tickets to the wrong game. But, um, that's how the story goes is that's why they changed the name. Interesting. I mean, I don't like, yeah, I don't like minor league affiliates sharing the name with the big, big club anyway. Um, yeah. so I mean, I, I'm all for changing the name, but I, that's, that's a very interesting rationale. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a good, uh, indictment on the Atlantans in the area, but I like, you know, man, like with you, I, I like it because I grew up with like backyard baseball and I loved the Melonheads and I loved just playing games with like ridiculous minor league team names. And I think if you're going to do the minor league team name thing, go outside the box. Like we love, isn't there a Biscuits team? and like, The Montgomery uh, Biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Great hat. Fantastic hat. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, that's a good thing to do. It's easy marketing stuff. But um, Stripers is an interesting one. Uh, I like the green. 
Uh, they have the pinstripes and the green, but I feel like the Yankees are three of their minor league affiliates still the Yankees. Like you have the Scranton Yankees. Um, um, well, no, the Scranton is the the Rail Riders now. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. And the Tampa Yankees just changed back to the Tampa Tarpons. Um, and a tarpon is a fish, apparently. Okay. And well, then, cool. then uh, that sounds like we're going closer and closer to more teams getting rid of yeah. uh, sharing the same name as their and major league affiliate, which I'm a fan of. I think the Staten Island Yankees are working on changing their name, and I, I think the um, the Pulaski Yankees and the Appalachian League are still the Yankees. Um, but hmm. I think they'll be the last ones if I am remembering all the affiliates correctly. Nothing's going to top the Brooklyn Cyclones. The best logo, the best place. Like I remember a couple years ago when I went and saw the park for the first time. It was just blown away. Have you been to a game there? Yes. Good? Bad? How is uh, it? Yeah, it's been a while, but it's, it's a nice little place. Okay. Um, I need to get to a game there at some point. But anyway, uh, Acuna sent down because of the way MLB contracts are structured and team uh, related issues. So he has to, for service time reasons, as many expected, he has to spend a couple weeks um, in the minor league team. And uh, you can you can relate with the Gleyber Torre stuff and everything else where it's just kind of frustrating. These guys can't just well, start the year on opening opening day roster. I think the Torres thing is a bit different. Um, one, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery and his non-throwing arm. Um, and he hasn't been hitting a ton in, in camp. And they also have like a gazillion infields on the roster right now. They, they went out and got Brandon Jury. They traded, they signed Neil Walker. Tyler Wade's actually pretty darn good. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like they don't lack for clear options on the major league roster right now. Um, Acuna is different. He is clearly, I mean, I, I mean, you can, you might be able to comfortably say he's the best outfit of the system right now, including everybody in the major league roster. Um, I would say that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I no offense to Andrew Ciarte, who was a, who was a great player. Um, but Ronald Acuna could be a generational talent. Um, yeah. So, and it's not like the Braves are exactly overflowing with talent on the big league roster right now. So I, I think it's very clear that he should be the starting left fielder at like now. Um, but, you know, but we got to give that back to Preston Tucker. And according to Alex Anthopoulos, <laughs> um, you know, those, those, those two weeks in the minor leagues can do a body good. Um, so, you know, he's going to learn a lot in those two weeks. I'm sure he's, he's going to pick up some very valuable lessons. Um, he's going to, you know, learn how to hit while doing a handstand. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. And then he'll be able to come up and do that, which is so, so good for them. Perfect. I, I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a great two weeks for him. Um, speaking of the Yankees and the Braves and that kind of thing, it seems like we always touch on them first, but we're getting to other stuff, but uh, Gleyber Torres, the rumor is, and we talked about this off air of just like what it means that he might be bouncing around in the infield because like you said, they have a plethora of major league ready options. And I love the Neil Walker signing. That's like one of my favorite under the radar deals of this off season, because I didn't really understand why he was still available this late into free agency, but this has been a because really people don't want to spend agency. money, but he's just good. Like that guy's just always been good. Yes. Yes. Yes, he he is a good player. Do you know who else is? Yeah, I mean, Alex Cobb's a good player. And he doesn't have a job. Oh my god, he's going to end up as the Twins' like number one starter, right? Like that's just how this has to end. Uh, I mean, the Twins went and got their their you know 
Lance Lynn, who was, you know, like born to be a twin, basically. Um, So, I mean, I think they're done. Um, I mean, maybe it depends on, you know, how banged up Santana is, because apparently he's still not throwing. Um, So Not good. Yeah, that's taking longer than expected. So, So maybe, maybe, maybe the Brewers realize that they actually probably need another pitcher, and if they're going to try and win yeah. this year, they should probably you know, go get Alex Cobb, who is a good pitcher. Um, I mean, I'm assuming he'll have a job at some point, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah. Did you like the Neil Walker deal, though, for the Yankees? Oh, absolutely. I think it's brilliant. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I'm a big Tyler Wade guy, but I also think there's nothing wrong with having Neil Walker sitting around on your roster, um, even if he's not starting. Like he can he can play some third, he can play second, obviously he can play some first. And Greg Bird isn't exactly known for his durability right now, so maybe there's a need that arises at first base. And Neil, and first base is really like the one position they don't really have a ton of depth in in the minor league system. So I mean, Walker can play first. Um, and in terms of how Torres all fits in, I mean, things have a habit of working themselves out. Maybe, you know, Wade basically gets the job out of the gate at second base, plays his ass off, and then when they decide that, hmm, we're going to go trade for Michael Fulmer, Tyler Wade goes to the Tigers, or that he goes to the Royals for Danny Duffy, and then Gleyber Torres is the second baseman. I mean, these things have a way of working themselves out. So I'm not too worried. Like, remember when, when the, the, the Cubs had too many shortstops? Like a couple of years ago, the Cubs suddenly had too many shortstops. Now they don't anymore because it all worked itself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how this plays out. And I also think it's interesting because the maybe the most interesting thing to come out of the Yankees in the last couple of days, or I guess, oh, I, I guess it was a couple of days ago. Clint Frazier doesn't remember his cat's names. Yeah, his concussion, that- and that's that's insane. Like reading that whole story. Um, it's uh, not great what's no, going on with Clint and, Frazier and, and everything else. And that was a quote-unquote minor concussion when that was reported. But no such thing as a minor concussion. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be... I, he's an interesting trade candidate, though. I don't know where he fits in this team long-term now. Because I mean, he, just yeah, the way this roster is set up, I don't know where he fits. He's probably trade bait, but I mean, unfortunately he needs to... You know, he's probably not going to go anywhere until they determine that his 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 uh, his brain is all set. Unfortunately, um, but yeah, it's, it's, and he changed his swing, didn't he? A I little bit, like yeah. I read a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm a big Clint Fraser guy. I mean, I think the kid's obviously quite talented. Um, he he's going to be a major league outfielder somewhere um, if if he's healthy. Uh, so yeah, it, it's 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 really scary, and I, I you know all the best to him. Um, I mean, the concussion certainly complicates matters, but I mean, if if he's healthy and playing you know, a month from now, um, and and playing well, then I'm sure he'll, you know, teams will have interest. Did you see what who Willie Randolph compared Tyler Wade to this week? I did not. No. Okay, he compared. Who would you guess? He's a current. Second baseman on an on a he's an all he's a former all star. Who would you guess Randolph would say he reminds him of? Well, given the speed, I'll say D Gordon. But um, to go a little off the beaten path, I'll go Ben Zobrist. Oh my God! It is Ben Zobrist. Yeah, because he can play all over the place. 
Yeah. That's uh that's right on the money. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's who Willie Randolph compared I mean uh, uh Tyler Wade to toolsy white utility player, so Yeah, I, I thought it was <laughs> cool, but apparently like Randolph pulled him aside and like had this whole conversation with him. I thought that was interesting. Um but yeah, switching gears a little bit, Otani is uh he's had a really uh, is it fair to say rocky spring training? Sure. Like he's he's looked great behind like hitting the ball. He has um been really patient to play, drives in runs. We know he has the power, but on the mound it's just been it it's been interesting because he uh obviously is going to be involved in like the six man rotation and he struck out eight I believe in his second start, but it's just been up and down for him where it's like I don't know. I'm curious. It seems to me like if we had to bet on anything, it's like he's going to be a good hitter and he's going to be a pain um, when he's in the DH role. But as a pitcher, I'm not sure yet. I mean, he obviously has the velocity that's terrifying, like 102. But uh, there's been rumblings now that because of the rocky spring training that he might start the season in the minor league. league. And I don't think that's going to happen. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. I don't anticipate him going to AAA. Um, at least not initially, um, just because if he got sent to AAA right out of the gate, that'd just be terrible PR. It'd look awful. Um, yeah. and he's supposed to be the guy, so I, I don't see that happening. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he stops hitting after a couple months, after a month or so, um, just because like apparently the looks at the plate have just not been great at all. And, and, and let's let's preface all this by saying it's spring training. Um, and none of this really matters a ton. Um, I mean, it matters a bit more for a guy like Otani because he's, he's dealing with completely new players and he's never seen these guys before. At the same time, he's never seen these guys before, so he's still adjusting it as he's going. Um, so it might be rocky a little bit, all of a sudden the light goes on, and he's great. Um, it could be that, you know, he's just a, a third starter and an occasional, you know, pinch hitter. It could be that he is, in fact, a two-way superstar. We don't know. It's way too early to pick a tournament, I think. Um, I think it's fair to say that yeah, it's been a, um, it's been a rough go of it. But I mean, Adrian Beltre went over spring training last year, and you know he when he was healthy, he was playing fine. So I, mean, I, I don't want to compare you know Otani to a Hall of Famer like Adrian Beltre, but like you, you know what I'm getting at. Like, spring training is not necessarily indicative of what's going to happen in the regular season. Um. So I'm more like, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what goes, on, goes on with him. He's obviously one of the more intriguing storylines in all of baseball right now. And I'm, I, you know, it's hard not to root for the guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I'm just, I, I wonder, I, just so many Babe Ruth comparisons, obviously, because that's the yeah, only I, thing I, you I really have to go that's on. Unfair. Like, that it's stuff works. Incredibly me. unfair. Right? Like, I just, everything is just compared. Like, I think he's unfairly just going to be seen through the lens of, can this guy become the next Babe Ruth? And it's just, whether he lives up to it or not, I just feel bad for him because he's trying to do something that is so difficult. And we're already looking at him under a microscope and spring training of like, oh, can he handle it? We've already seen some uh, issues here. Like, is he going to be able to put this together? And I I do feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to call him a bust yet. I mean, I, I'm, I'm no reasonably confident that, yeah. he's going to be a productive major league player in some capacity. Yeah, but I I will say I'm glad he ended up on the Angels and not the Dodgers or the Yankees or even the Red Sox. Like, I think it would have been more brutal for him to go through this or to get off to a bad start if he was on the Yankees or 
the Red Sox or the Dodgers. I oh, think the it, Angels. It, it would be horrifying. Right? Okay. So that's kind of the good um, perspective on Otani's rough start because I just don't think people are paying attention to the Angels like that right now. And because it's you still have Mike Trout and you still have a bunch of productive players around him, Ian Kinsler and all those guys that... If he does get off to a slow start, I don't think he's going to be just crushed by the media in the area like um, he may have been in other areas. So I'm I'm sure there would have already been a New York Post. <laughs> Back page uh, or two. Uh, right? Like about this start. I just think that would have already happened. But I'm glad that, that he has been spared that at this point in his career. So I'm rooting for him. But I am interested to see how the Angels approach using him um, in the first month of the regular season and how tight of a leash they give him and everything like that. So we'll we'll see. Um, also, the Twins lost their shortstop for 80 games. And he gave, uh, is it fair to say, a kind of bizarre response to his 80-game suspension? I actually suspension? didn't what? the response. So I, ge- long... I, I, like, I generally don't read the, the statements that go after guys get suspended. It's just always, you know, the, it, it's film of like crap usually. Can I read it to you? Yeah. To be clear, I did not intentionally consume this steroid. Oh, I now well, know. Okay. Yeah, I now know, however, that my intention alone is not a good enough excuse and I will pay the price for my error in judgment. The substance that I requested from my athletic trainer in the Dominican Republic and consented to take was a combination of vitamin B12 and an iron supplement, something that is not usual or illegal for professional athletes to take. Unfortunately, what I was given was not that supplement and I take full responsibility for what is in my body. So he's saying he took the wrong thing. I, mean, I believe it, I guess. I get. I feel like Palmero made a similar claim in the past. I mean, but... I don't. I don't want to make any like bad generalizations. I don't. I don't want to get into stuff I'm not really supposed to talk about. But there's some weird stuff that goes on around there. Um, and do I think it's possible that? a trainer slipped his guy some stuff while also trying to supply little things. Sure. Do I think it's possible he knowingly took it? Yes. Um, do I think, I, 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 you know, a lot of, it's, this has been something that a bunch of guys have said, and I'm sure a lot of it's crap, but I'm sure some of it's true too. Um, so I don't know. I'm not willing to throw the guy under the bus, but I mean, it's, it's dirt. At the end of the day, I honestly don't give a rip. Um, I, I couldn't care less who's taking what, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, I mean, I, I know there's the integrity of the game stuff, but at the same time, that ship sailed so long ago in so many different ways. And I, I, I'm, just, I'm done playing moral police because it's dumb and boring and the ins and outs of it are too much. And I, just, I generally d- don't care. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really couldn't care less whether or not Jorge Polanco knowingly took steroids. Or I don't care that he took steroids at all. It's a thing. It's happened. It's fine. And fans don't actually care. There's like no. the Ryan Braun stuff. Ryan Braun could not have handled all of that in a worse way. And it's like that happened 35 years ago. People forget like just what he did to the guy and throwing him under the bus and everything involved in that testing kit and every, and all the drama that surrounded that. And yet the Brewers fans have just moved on. He's still there and they would be fine with him being a Brewer for the rest of his life. Like he's moving over to first base and it's like this whole new world for him where he's trying to make, the, he's like an underdog now. 
yeah, he has I, gone from like the biggest villain in baseball to like this underdog story of like trying to make it work as a veteran on a rising team in the NL Central. It's amazing. So like everybody I, I'm loves with Nelson you. Cruz. Like everybody yeah. loves Nelson Cruz. I, David I, Ortiz might be the best example David, of this. Like David Ortiz, David Ortiz is going amazing. to into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. We don't I, care. I, I'm right there. I, with I, you. Like, that, I, it's like, ridiculous. People, people want to get up in arms about certain guys who get suspended for juicing. Uh, and, you know, you know, your people boo people who have been like, you know, I'm sure, you know, Cubs fans, not just Cubs fans, but just people in the NL Central in general. Like, I'm sure they boo Ryan Braun. One because, one because he's, you know, the star of the Brewers, but also because of the, the, the steroids crap. But, you know, or all this Chapman gets a humongous round of applause whenever he waltzes into Yankee Stadium to go for a save. So I, I really am so far beyond the pale of trying to play morality plays with steroids. I, I couldn't care less. I'm right there with you. But do you think this affects the Twins' chances of getting a wildcard berth? Because I'm not I mean, there to say that they have sure. a shot at the Central, right? Like, the Indians won 102 games last year, I think. So the I mean, Twins I, won I think 85. The are actually That's somewhat, a huge jump. I think they're somewhat vulnerable, actually. I would agree. I'm right there, yeah. Um, I, I do not like their rotation depth at all. Um, mm-hmm. they've They lost brought, Shaw. Like, they replaced Santana with... Um, I would say a lackluster replacement, right? Like that's not exactly like the most uh, envious replacement for someone who is still a productive player like Santana. I, I don't know. They stayed pat and they're quiet and they. I mean, just, they've, they've already. I, they've already yeah. I mean, Danny Salazar is already hurt. Um, I mean, not not to knock not to knock Mike Clevenger, who is a fine enough pitcher. Um, I, I mean, Josh Hellman. I mean, the the the, the fairy dust is going to drive at some point. But, you know, God forbid Carlos Carrasco gets hurt. I mean, like, I just, I don't see it. Um, you know, if Kluber decides, oh, wait, I'm 32. Um, and and it starts going down a little bit. I mean, it, it's going to, it's going to, I just, I don't, I mean, they're a good team. I, I think Cleveland is a very good team. Um, but it could go south very quickly. And on the Twins, on the other hand, I mean, who's going to be playing shortstop now? Eduardo Escobar, right? Um, yeah, and I mean, they still have a top I mean, prospect, dude Gordon, hit, who they could call up, I guess. And it was last year, he hit 21 home runs last year. I mean, 20 home True. runs is not what it used to be. But Eduardo Escobar had 21 home runs last year. So it's not, but I mean, the defense is, yeah, but whatever. Um, they and they can still live have, with, I think, what, you hear uh, Adrianza? Who is, I mean, you, you don't want to give him plan appearances, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, he can play in the field. But you don't want Ariane Jones getting any into the play appearances. So I don't want to is not going to kill you for 80 games. And like you said, Nick Gordon's sticking around there somewhere. Um, he's theoretically going to be a major, major leaguer at some point. I mean, it's like, it feels like he's been a prospect forever. He's only 22. Um, yeah, and I mean, he had a really good year at Chattanooga um, yeah. last year. Uh, he definitely seems like someone that you want to get in there sooner or later. And this is something, this is an, an opportunity that you didn't want, obviously, going into this season but um i think it would be foolish to not give him some plate appearances at shortstop while Polk yeah goes out i mean do we now, mention ibar eric ibar is still there eric right? ibar is husking for his former self to be kind yeah um i mean he is an nri in camp i would be surprised if he sees meaningful action um now the thing about the polanco suspension is it, it by itself it's not that bad with the injury to Santana, and then God knows what's going to happen to Miguel Sano. So that's when things start getting interesting. But 
the problem with the AL Central is no one's trying to win outside of the Indians. No, but, the what, but, but what I'm saying is if they lose Polanco for eight games, Santana's out for extended time, and then Sano gets suspended too, they start mm-hmm. looking like just another team. Yeah. And they're flirting with that anyway because it's not like they went above and beyond this offseason to really I mean, go listen, after the Indians. Like, guy, they when, went when, when the other can, way. Like, when, the Brewers have went... Ha, the Brewers had a great offseason. They might not be done, like, especially if they sign Alex Cobb or whatever, but they are clearly, like... We are ahead of schedule, but we're not going to run from that. We are going to do everything we can to push the Cubs this year. The Twins have not done that. I mean, the Jake Order easy deal I thought was good. And I I guess a lot of it, too, is like, could Byron Buxton take another step in his um, offensive game? I guess that's something that they're holding on to. You never know. He's still like, what, 22, 23? Yeah, he's got Um, all the potential in the world. Yeah, so I think that's part of it, too. So some of these other guys hit. The version we saw of Byron Buxton like now is probably an all-star caliber player. So I mean, if he hits even more, then you're, you're looking at an incredible player. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, they need Miguel Sano to make this offense work. They need for sure Irvin Santana and they need Jose Barrios to to ball out basically. Um, I mean, I, I like the little upgrades they made to the bullpen. Um, I mean. You know, you're not going to beat the world with Zach Duke, Addison Reed, and Brandon Rodney, but that's that's the start. Um, and you and know, they got Addison Reed on an amazing contract. Like they don't, they got a lot of guys on really good yes, deals. But the money's not going to win you games. True. Um, mm. you, you know, you, you don't get extra credit in the standings for Addison Reed's excellent contract. Um, yeah. So I mean, the, the, obviously that's an area they can upgrade with trades as they go along if things go well. Um, I, mean, I don't hate the Twins. They're, they they made the playoffs last year, and they they did a little bit of stuff to make the team better. Um, but you know, I mean, when you wind up with Lance Flynn, you could have had Hugh Darvish or Jake Arrieta. It feels like, eh, what are you doing? Well, I think they at least try with Hugh Darvish. I just don't think he wanted to go to Minnesota. No, and and, I and, think... and, and that, that's his prerogative, and I can understand why he didn't want to go there. Yeah, I don't know. I think the one thing that like I kind of touched on is going to be on their side is the fact that the Tigers are going to be atrocious. The Royals figure to be atrocious, and the White Sox are still a year or two away. So they're going to win a lot of games just because they're playing a lot of bad teams this year. So that's something that's going to help them. But I don't know. I think the Indians, like you and I said, are kind of inching towards a step back this year, and the Twins could have made another jump, and I just am kind of frustrated that they have not. But we'll see. The I mean, the, the other thing is away. that they have all the prospects in the world. Not, that they don't have all the yeah. prospects. If they have a good system, they can trade for a starter. They could have traded for a starter. I mean, it's not like there are not starters that are available. Part of the thing is that two of those guys are in their division, so I don't, I can't blame the Royals or Tigers for not wanting any business with them necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they did trade for you know Jake Odorizzi, but I mean, they could have theoretically got a, a different guy. Um, I don't know who that guy could have been. I mean, they could like, they could have traded for Garrett Cole, maybe. They could have, you know, done some stuff. Um, they didn't go that route, obviously, and maybe they were in the mix for Cole, and that fell apart. We don't know. That knowledge never really became public. Um, but it, it just, it's hard to, yeah, I agree. It's hard to feel like they could, it, it, that they did, couldn't have done more. Yeah, I would agree. All right, man. Well, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I'm I'm good. All right. Well, cool. I appreciate it as always. We're very close to the regular season kicking off. I'm excited. Um, 
it's gonna be fun. I we are what what is today? March nineteenth. We're what like ten days away from opening day. God, something like that. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, it's here, and we will obviously be talking a lot more, especially as the regular season kicks off and all that good stuff. So, Nick, as always, I appreciate you taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Stellini Tweets. We can read you at Sporting News and Baseball Prospectus, and you are also an editor at Beyond the Box Score. Is there anything coming out this week that we should look out for? Um, nothing you know out of the ordinary. Okay. Well, either way, follow Nick and keep up with his work at all of those places. And Nick, we will talk again soon, sir. All right. See you. Thanks, Nick. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.